Welcome to another brand new episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, I, as always, want to thank my Patreon supporters, Rob, Frankie, Emily, Greg, and Case. Thank you so much. If you, too, would like to get a thank you at the top of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash stormageddon for more info. Shall we talk about today's episode? I am joined by one of my closest friends, the incredible Frankie Bradley Lestrange. She's a podcaster, writer, singer, musician, and all-around badass. We get into details about her upcoming short seasonal podcast, Certain Point of View, as well as all of her other podcasts, writing, favorite TV shows, favorite authors, missing concerts, and more. So without further ado, here's Frankie Bradley Lestrange. tangents we can talk about whatever so but i am very excited to have you on the show welcome to autographs frankie bradley lestrange thank you for having me matt storm again storm <laughs> i mean you you don't have to say it like that but thanks helpful <laughs> as always i mean you said my name weird so <laughs> that is your name though yeah but <laughs> you said it with a weird cadence oh, God. i just mirrored you Oh, I see. I so learned it from watching saying, you. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's my fault. Excellent. It's always your fault. Um, I'm really excited to have you on. A uh, a mirror of you was on the show many, many years ago. People can dig for it, but I'm not going to hint at it. Uh, but I'm glad to have you back on to talk about what you're currently working on, which is a lot of podcasting, some writing, and, uh, and other nonsense as well. Uh, and the first thing I want to talk about is your new podcast. For those who don't know, Frankie has almost too many podcasts like I do. <laughs> uh, and yet somehow uh, she thought it was a good idea to start a Christmas podcast. And anyone who knows you knows why you're probably doing this because you absolutely love Christmas. I do. Where did the like inspiration for this come from? Uh, a couple of things. One thing we've been talking a lot about on the network is limited run podcasts. For example, two of our friends, Rachel Corky Shank and Maddie Lyme, are talking about doing a limited run Golden Girls podcast. So mm -hmm. the idea of a podcast that's only around for a certain amount of time to talk about the things that matter and then goes away so you don't have to then be coming back to it again and again and again <laughs> seemed manageable because then I like churn out content for the month of December and then I can put it away and come back to it in November. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and so is that the plan? So this is a, for those who don't know, the podcast is called Certain Point of Yule. It is a, uh, a play on the, the title of our podcast network that my other shows are on. Um, and it's just for December. It's just Christmas stuff. And then you shelve it until possibly next December. Basically, um, it may run a little into January, depending on how many things there are for us to talk about. So far, we have recorded two episodes. Uh, I have one ready to go. I'm going to actually record another one, hopefully today, if the guest who wanted to be on it is available. We've talked about Dash and Lily's Book of Dares, which I adored and so did my husband but there are plenty of valid criticisms of it we also talked about jingle jangle which was amazing and nonsensical <laughs> and tonight we'll be talking about holiday which in my opinion is not actually a christmas movie uh yeah i should mention that your co-host is your husband and previous guest of the show john lestrange a historian and now famous tiktoker who is going to be too famous for us soon yeah i know my claim to fame will no longer be, like, who I actually am. It's going to be wife of the history wizard. And then my TikTok will become a behind-the-scenes of his TikTok. <laughs> I mean, you'll probably get a lot of views by just, like, tagging him in it and, like, secretly filming him when he's not paying attention, working on his stuff. I, I really should start doing that because most of the things that he does are on the deck. And our bedroom uh, has a door leading out onto the deck, so I could probably creep up and, like film him doing push-ups for the internet <laughs> that would be excellent well i like this idea though of creating something limited first of all you're setting limits right like yeah. you like me come up with a ridiculous idea and then execute and then go oh no i'm doing this forever right and sometimes it's good but sometimes also it's like oh no i'm doing this forever and so i like the idea that this will be limited and so is it only christmas movies or is it holiday movies um 
Christmas slash holiday. Like my main focus okay. is Christmas movies because there's something very comforting and nostalgic about that to me. But I am open to other kinds of movies. Um, for example, if you messaged me tomorrow and was like, "There is an amazing Hanukkah movie out," I would be like, "Well, okay, well, let's talk about it." Yeah, that's not going to happen. The only Hanukkah movie I can think of off the top of my head is a terrible animated movie called Eight Crazy Nights. Um, it was kind of in the lull of Adam Sandler, who I actually genuinely like, but like that movie was him at his like most obnoxious. So I don't, I don't know that I would even bother with that. Uh, but that said, if I find something, I will definitely let you know. I only like Adam Sandler when he subverts his typical characters. Like I actually really liked Murder Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. actually good and funny and charming interesting i don't think i've seen that one it's on netflix though i kind of wanted to see i think it's hubie halloween or whatever that he did it was oh. supposed to be like in the vein of the water boy but like a little bit different but i don't know i i heard mixed reactions to it so i haven't pulled the trigger on that and now halloween's over so I mean, I'll maybe i'll wait till next year halloween is never over in your heart <laughs> That's true. I mean, that's how I feel about Christmas. Christmas is never over as long as it lives in my heart. I mean, uh, you know, any like I said earlier, just moments ago, anyone who knows you knows that you live for the Christmas season. I do. You are in the, the embodiment of Thomas Sanders' TikTok where he, on November 1st, hears uh, a distant Mariah Carey and then is destroyed by the music of Mariah Carey. I'm curious... With certain point of view coming out now, and I know you've been working on some writing and some other stuff, and you've been on the hunt to try and put together some um, possible uh, radio plays and other things. Do you see certain point of view as like this stepping stone to you doing a ton more of time limited content, or is this just like you haven't thought that far? You just want to get through this first. I haven't really thought that far ahead. Um, this is a hard month for me because it's also National Novel Writing Month, and I am working on my Christmas romance novel right now. So. To to think about what's going to happen after a certain point of Yule, I just, my brain's not there yet. I would very much like to start producing radio plays. I, every once in a while, find something online. I'm like, this would make such a good radio play. <laughs> like, this would make such a good audio drama. I almost messaged someone from our Tumblr to be like, hey, I am on a podcast network. Can, can I, can I produce this? <laughs> <laughs> you will get the credit, I swear. I just really want to produce this. That's amazing. I mean, that's how it starts. I mean, that's how I started side quests within Fun and Games was literally, I was like, this doesn't exist. No one is just joyously, joy joyfully rather, talking about video games for a short time in bite-sized chunks. I'm going to make that thing happen. So uh, for those who don't know you or your previous work, somehow has missed the things we've done together why don't, uh, now that we've gotten the new thing out of the way, why don't you talk a little bit about the podcast that you do and also some of the writing that you've done? Yeah, sure. Well, for anyone who doesn't already know, I host a podcast called Reignite with your very own DJ Stormageddon. We talk about the Mass Effect games. That was also my brainchild. I said to Matt one day, hey, I really want to talk about Mass Effect in a way that is thoughtful and breaks down the reasons why we make the choices that we make and what we would do in those situations and reignite has been such a joy to do it's one of my favorite things going on in my life right now even doing it with me she still feels that way it's astonishing well because of reignite i've met so many amazing people Right. So it just it balances, <laughs> it balances things out. Like because right, of Reignite, I met uh, Spectre Alifet, who runs the Changeling the Dreaming game that I'm in. I play a punk rock Selkie and we stream that game every Friday. And you can hear me yelling at my <laughs> castmates to stop saying mean things about themselves. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I threaten to fight everyone's self-esteem at least once a game. <laughs> Amazing. I also have a podcast called Circle of Friendship, which is about the Circle of Magic books by Tamara Pierce. I co-host that with Anna Grindrod Feeney, who is a very dear friend of mine. We bonded over the Alana books when we first met, and we've stayed friends for such a long time. And we just love those books so much. Like, given how the author of a favorite childhood series has been so poisonous to their community it's especially comforting to have this series of books that is still 
a safe place to return to, especially since Tamara Pierce is so welcoming to the queer community and so supportive. And whenever she has made a mistake or a misstep, she has turned around and said, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have done that thing. And if I put myself in a situation to fix it, I'm going to. Oh, wow. Like a responsible adult. Yeah. Tamara Pierce is great. (laughs) I highly recommend her. And I'm also currently on hiatus for another podcast. It's called the Rob Thomas No Not That One Robcast. I host that with Alex Lavelle. Uh, We are currently on a break because we were both going through some stuff. Um, I was getting a new job. He was getting a new roommate. And then November happened and there was, you know, an election. And also I'm writing a novel. So it's all a mess. Hopefully that will come back in the new year, though. And it is focused on the creative works of the show producer, Rob Thomas. So we're currently in season two of Veronica Mars. Nice. The clear theme of the stuff that you work on is that it's stuff that you're really passionate about before you start talking about it. You mentioned reignite being your brainchild, and that's 100% true. When anyone asks, I give you 100% credit. Like, I was the mook with the microphones (laughs) and who knew how to do stuff. And you were like, you, make this happen. It's my idea. Um, You weren't like that. But that's essentially the gist. And But what's been really great about reignite and doing that with you is that you had an eye into fandom communities that I did not have. Like I was aware of it slightly with Doctor Who and a few other things, but you had such an insight to the Mass Effect fandom. And then even so, I think we both underestimated how niche that fandom was and how fervent it was because most of our listeners have been pretty organic. Uh, I've said this about my other podcasts. Like I love those shows, but we have to fight for every listener we get on a lot of those shows. At Reignite we do too, but there's at least a hundred people I know who have found this show just by it being a Mass Effect thing and them wanting to consume it. Um, And I feel like you knew that to a degree through Tumblr and some other places. Oh, yeah. The fandom is so hungry for new content. You especially saw that with the announcement of the new Legendary Edition. I kept calling it Legacy for like three days straight. (laughs) I don't know why. I just kept calling it that. But the new Legendary Edition, the remaster of the games, it really brought everyone out of the woodwork again. And it it was like... A light was turned on and then we all skittered away from it and you just saw how many of us there were that were in the dark for so long. Yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. I feel like Mass Effect is a series is one of those games that is really beloved in a way that Dragon Age isn't. And it was as successful. I mean, especially Inquisition, I feel like sold really well and definitely sold better than Andromeda handily um i think the dragon age fandom thrives just as much as the mass effect fandom they just make mm-hmm. less noise i mean that's that's probably true as well but what i think what's interesting about the mass effect fandom is that there's something in shepherd that's not in the other lead characters in dragon age well you know dragon age especially in the second game you're playing a gendered version of a character that exists in this world. You can kind of define who they are, but then they go on to just do their own thing. And then the Inquisitor is closer to Mass Effect as far as the Inquisitor is a blank slate, more or less, Mm -hmm. for now at least. Whereas I feel like Mass Effect, that's always the case with Shepard, with some limitations, which if you listen to Ray Ignite, we'll get into. But I feel like I think what makes Mass Effect so popular is that Shepard is absolutely a blank slate to a certain degree, and people very easily see themselves in Shepard. Honestly, it also helped that Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 all focused on the same character, whereas Dragon Age always jumps to a different main character. In Dragon yeah. Age Origins and Inquisition, I would argue that you're correct. Those are blank slate characters, whereas Dragon Age 2 was just Hawk, and Hawk had a life before this moment. Hawk um, has a life after the end of the game. And it's a little harder, I think, for people to set into that because you don't get to choose a race. You don't get to, like, choose a backstory for Hawk. You get to choose your class and that kind of sets up your backstory, but that's about it. And it's funny that Dragon Age 2 is actually my favorite of the Dragon Ages. (laughs) And that might just be because of Anders, who is my favorite romance of all the games. I mean that that you have you stand loudly many a romance from Bioware. Everyone knows that Garrus is your boyfriend, and everyone should fuck off because yes. Garrus is yours. Garrus is my boyfriend, and so is Anders. But I think also it's what's interesting about talking to you about 
Mass Effect, uh, my own ineptitude to remember anything that's happened ever aside, uh, which has become a running gag on the show that I don't remember shit, is that you look at video games very differently than I and a lot of other video game players do. And you're not the only gamer I found to do this. There are plenty of other people I know who love Mass Effect, love Dragon Age, and that's it. And and that's not the case for you. Like there are other games that you've played like Skyrim and you love Skies of Arcadia, but like your favorite games is a pretty short list comparatively to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And you enjoy replaying especially these BioWare games. And I'm curious what what about especially the Mass Effect series that keeps you coming back to it? Is it really just the story and the characters? I think it's a couple of things. I have difficulty embracing new content sometimes because I don't have enough emotional bandwidth to take new characters and scenarios and experiences into my heart because I'm so tired as it is. So mm-hmm. that's why I often end up doing things like rewatching CSI or rewatching <laughs> Criminal Minds or rewatching Leverage and The Librarians. Like, because I have already invested myself in those things. So it's easier for me to revisit them because I'm like, ah, oh, yes, my friends, my family. And that's what Mass Effect has also become. Um, these are characters that. I know so intimately and I know what their stories can be like and they can be something different every time depending on how I make my choices and there's something very dynamic about that there's something comforting about it and also um, I'm a writer I'm a storyteller and just the storytelling is so exquisite and well done and overall well executed though there are some times when it's not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes and correct. you know we've talked about those time we have that's true i mean i think also what's really interesting about mass effect in particular is the, the as the games went on the dynamics and we're talking about this as we're currently recording by the time this episode airs we're in the middle well i'd say the first third of season three which is the third game and we've we've expressed how the storytelling has gotten a lot better but it's not There are some precise moments that have disappeared. Actually, what I'm curious to ask you, because I don't think we've talked about this on Reignite, is what is one of the most surprising discoveries you've made in a replay of Mass Effect? Is there a mission or a character or a moment that stands out to you that you're like, that you were blindsided by because you thought you knew everything and then this thing happened? I think it has to be turning around on Ashley a little bit. Yes, she is still a deeply flawed character. But the more time I spent with her and tried to talk her around, the more she became a real person who was able to be disabused of her bigoted notions. She starts to become more accepting the longer you talk to her and she drops her xenophobia. And also you learn more about why she is that way and maybe you start to understand a little bit better because... When we enter this universe, you and I, as people who don't live in a world with aliens, but do live in a world with racism, we're like 100% like, yes, I accept all aliens. This is great. Wonderful. This is why I play video games. But Ashley is coming at this world that aliens have only made contact 30 years prior. That is not a long window. That is one generation. Right. And her whole family got fucked by their interactions with with uh, alien races. I get it. I don't approve, but I get it. Right. And, you know, and there's so much love between her and her family. And she has these three, I think, I think it's two or three younger sisters that look up to her and count on her. And she's such... A strong, dynamic woman who is unafraid to be feminine, to be beautiful, and she's also flawed. And I think that's an important kind of character to have. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that it, we try to talk about it as much. And we've been called out by some of the listeners for saying that we didn't do enough. And I would believe that because I was very biased against Ashley in the beginning for sure. And I'm, I I didn't keep her around. Uh, spoiler alert characters die in mass effect and so but but listening to you come around on it has made me more interested and uh, uh i'm gonna play through the mass effect games i'm sure a million more times so i will have my chance um that leads me to my last mass effect question before i promise we'll move on to other things <laughs> um with the legendary edition coming out something that we've talked about 
at this point on the on reignite and our expectations what i want to know is and i'll set it up by talking about how i feel about the legendary edition i'm excited for this game and when it comes out in spring of next year this game feels very intimate to me in a way that I think the original versions feel less now that we're sharing them on a podcast, but like the legendary edition, when that comes out, I don't think I'm going to stream it at least not right away. I think I'm going to play through all of it for myself on my schedule when I want, because I don't, I don't want to share that experience because this is the first new version of this game in a long time. And I want it to be my own, especially if they are making some radical changes, which we don't know. I'm curious because you've been streaming now as well on I Horde Librarians on Twitch. I'm curious, will you also just play it offline or do you want to share it with the community? Because it, I could go either way at a gunpoint, but I'm leaning towards making it private because I just want to experience it. I think my first playthrough will be for just me or rather just me and my husband because I cannot do anything without him nearby. <laughs> 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 the look he's giving me right now. That's <laughs> all right. Like he's in the room right now as I record this. Um, of course he is. And it's much the same for him. He's playing Valhalla like three feet away from me at any given time. <laughs> but yeah, I think it. I would want to replay it by myself first. So that way, if I have any adverse reactions or if I have any really emotional reactions, I can keep that private and keep that for myself mm -hmm. until I'm ready to like share with other people. That's legit. And, and I agree. I think... I think also it's different with Mass Effect for at least the two of us as well as many other folks is this game series is very personal to me. Like I can rarely I can rarely say which one of them is my favorite. Hard pressed gun to my head, probably the second one because I think it's the tightest package overall, even though I like the story less, but like the combat more. But that said, I rarely speak of them separately. And what I'm excited about with the Legendary Edition is all three games will be one game, essentially. They will be on one disc. And so I think, like, I just own it in the same way a lot of people own stories, you know. Something that I love about your uh, Tamora Pierce podcast is that there's so much love for this writer and these characters when you and Anna talk about them. You know, I barely know the books. I know the half of the first book that you guys summarized and did on the show, and then I fell off listening because I have too many things to do. <laughs> but, like... I immediately knew who the main characters were. And more importantly, I knew who Briar Moss was just by how much you guys love this character, especially Anna. And, um, Briar and, Moss. He's such a shit. He is. And, but what's interesting to me is someone who's not read these books and, not, and is not super familiar with this series. I know that character inside and out because of the way the two of you lovingly talk about him. But also... You know, you summarize each chapter and then you discuss it. Um, was, the, was this a conscious decision when going into this podcast to be like, how do we bring people in who maybe hasn't, haven't read the books? Was like summarizing and all of that a conscious decision to try and do that? So Circle of Friendship was born of Circle of Magic audiobooks not being great. <laughs> okay. They have these full cast audiobooks, and the narration isn't awesome. <laughs> and Anna and I have always wanted to just do our own version of it. So when we were talking about doing Circle of Friendship, we were like, oh, what if we read each chapter at a time? So that way we do our own audiobook of it. <laughs> and we did that for a couple of chapters while I was trying to find out from the publisher, hey, can we do this? Will you sue us if we do this? <laughs> and I couldn't get a straight answer. So Anna and I decided, you know what? We're just not gonna. <laughs> Let's not get sued. But that's where it started. We wanted to uh, read a chapter. And we wanted to... Uh, give it our best and just have a better kind of audiobook experience out there and then have a discussion after it, after each chapter. Because sometimes reading aloud helps you see things or understand things in a different way. Totally. But then we just completely fell off with that and then <laughs> stopped doing it. <laughs> sure. But I mean, I feel like the chapter summaries do a good enough uh, job of bringing people into the story without even without the context. Like I never felt lost in those first 
let's say 10 episodes to be generous because I can't remember how many I listened to. Um, I mean, if you listen to 10 episodes, you listen to almost the entire first season. <laughs> okay. So then maybe, so maybe I did 13 episodes season. a season. I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about the now on currently on hiatus. Uh, Rob Thomas, no, not that one. Rob cast. My understanding, if I recall correctly, is that you loved Veronica Mars, the starting point for the podcast and Alex mm-hmm. had never seen it, but Alex Correct. had seen I zombie. Yes, also correct. And um, I saw most of iZombie, but I fell off with it. And so the idea was to start with Veronica Mars and then figure out what you were going to do next. I have a map. What do you mean figure out what we're going to do next? <laughs> oh, do you really I know have... what we're going to do next. Do you have the whole run of the show planned out? All of the yeah, properties? Really? I do. <laughs> That's amazing. Until Rob Thomas starts another show. <laughs> <laughs> Is he currently working on anything? I think he is. Isn't he behind Lost Boys? I think that is. Oh, yes. You might be right. I can't remember. And I don't know if Lost Boys has come out yet. (laughs) I don't think so. I feel like I would know that. (laughs) That might be the most organized podcast of all of your podcasts. Circle of Friendship is also very organized because we know exactly what books we're going to do. We're doing them chapter by chapter. Uh, All of my spreadsheets are color coded. I can vouch for the reignite one being color coded, so that is correct. I'm like I'm looking for my spreadsheet so I can tell you exactly. I am curious. I will admit uh, to know exactly where you're. It's headed. either Cupid or Party Down that's next. Uh, I've never seen Cupid. Party Down is amazing, and you guys did an episode on Drive Me Crazy after you did your wa- watch party, right? Yes. So <laughs> things that Rob Thomas has done: Veronica Mars, scroll. There's so much content on this spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, 90210 actually is next. Oh. The reboot of 90210. He was behind that. I didn't know he did the reboot. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. Uh, then it's Party Down. Then it's the reboot of Cupid because he did Cupid twice. He right. did it once in the 90s, which would have been first if I could have gotten a reliable stream of it or recording of it or something. Cannot figure it out. Yeah, I remember the later Cupid. I feel like I saw yeah. commercials for that one. Yeah, I looked at both of them. Uh, the original Cupid was very um, realistic. It was very much, it was about a man who believed that he was Cupid and him going to see his therapist. And it was about the therapist dealing with this man. Right. Whereas the reboot is, had more magical realism to it. Mm-hmm. And there was more of like, is he Cupid? Right. Maybe he is Cupid. <laughs> Then it's iZombie, and additional content is the Drive Me Crazy movie that we did. Uh, There's a book called Rat Saw God that he wrote. We're Mm going to cover that. We're going to talk about the Veronica Mars movie, Veronica Mars books. We will talk about the new season of uh, Veronica Mars. If it upset you, (laughs) you can privately message me. We'll talk about it. (laughs) A couple of other movies, Good Behavior, Little in Common, the Lost Boys TV series, played again, Dick. So you you got it all figured out for this one. Yep, that's yep, amazing. Yep, yep. And who knows if we'll do all of it? Well, sure, of course. I mean, it it's funny. I feel like I feel like something that and and I'm curious because all of your podcasts seem to have this pattern, and my, I only have one that has this pattern, and it's the one I do with you. But yours, your podcasts are very planned out and organized to a degree, and like with Mass Effect and reignite the question i get the most when i talk to people about it is like this is great i love reignite i'm so glad you're doing mass effect and you're going to do andromeda but what are you going to do next like that's the most question i get yeah and like and of course we've talked about it and we're still unsure although i mean we'll be realistic it's leaning towards dragon age but it's it's leaning towards dragon Age. (laughs) right like that's clearly the biggest contender and kind of the most obvious answer like other contenders or other Bioware games like the the Knights of the Old Republic games have been floating around mm-hmm. and the and Jade Empire, which um, Normandy FM is going to cover in their next season. Um, but I'm curious, do you need that kind of direction to do a podcast since most of your podcasts seem to have that? Do you prefer to have a roadmap or like a theme that's got this through line? I like being organized. I like knowing where I'm going. Do I need it? Maybe not. If I am working with someone who is better at being a little more free with things, 
then maybe we can do that. Like, for example, certain point of view, I have no roadmap. It's going to be whatever <laughs> we feel like watching. Right, sure. But that's also a limited run, so it's less yeah. chaos because it's exactly. contained, contained time frame. Yeah, exactly. And it's only new movies. We're not digging deep into old movies. The only time we'll talk about old movies is if, if there's sequels to them, uh, like pr- The Princess Switched Again. <laughs> uh, what? Oh. Uh, there's a Vanessa Hudgens movie called The Princess Switch, and there's a sequel coming out or that just came out called Switched Again. And I, did you you watch Xena, the Warrior Princess? Yeah, of right? course. Okay. Hell yeah. Do you remember the episodes where Lucy Lawless would play like four different people? Mm-hmm. And like the whole plot was that they were confusing all of these different people for Xena. And one was like yeah. a princess and one was a priestess and one was like the loose woman of the town for lack yeah. of a better term. And I think that's the premise of princess switched again is that there's yet another Vanessa Hudgens lookalike. Oh no. I think that's the premise. I'm not 100% certain. <laughs> well, let's keep that in the head canon, Cause I feel like that's funnier anyway. And more I know. ridiculous. <laughs> And I think it has to be ridiculous because all of these uh, like made for streaming movies have that touch of ridiculous. And that's what makes them like fun Christmas movies. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want to talk about Christmas movies with Rachel Quirky Shank, one of my other co-hosts, I would bring up The Christmas Prince or the sequel to The Christmas Prince because she's watched both of them and is There's obsessed with them. There's a third one. <laughs> God. Of course there is. Oh so I should anticipate that a future Screen Snark episode, she's probably going to come on with the third one. It's already out. Is it? Yeah, Ugh. it's been out for a while. I think it came out like a year ago. Maybe she talked about it already then. I just remember hearing about these ridiculous movies. They're just, they sounded terrible. <laughs> I actually didn't watch any of the Christmas Prince movies. Oh, no, they just didn't speak to me. I, mm-hmm. I'm not particularly into the prince romance right like falling in love with royalty has never really been my thing Mm -hmm. but falling in love with the gremlin knight that you found in your backyard yes i mean it speaks to your taste in husbands so there's that (laughs) i know (laughs) like the night before christmas she just finds this random like knight displaced in time he's not a prince he's not a king he's just a knight and he's very confused, but also very polite. And that's all you need. <laughs> Obviously. Shifting gears, talking a little bit about this year, 2020 in particular, and how it's been very different from other other years. Yay. <laughs> I know you're someone who likes to re-engage with some things over and over again see skies of arcadia and the circle of friendship book or the circle magic books and so on and so forth um we were talking your tv choices before i feel like before the next decade is done you and i will be doing a leverage podcast of some kind their their leverage reboot (laughs) is happening i'm I'm and they're preserving (laughs) okay let's talk about this leverage reboot for one second (laughs) And why I'm very excited about it. I'm a huge fan of The Librarians. And what's his name? Noah Weil plays the main character or the main librarian, so to speak. And he's going to be playing the new mastermind in Leverage. And when asked, like, oh, is this a reboot or a, like, continuation? uh, They said it's a continuation because Parker, Elliot, and Hardison will come back. And also, don't worry, your OT3 is safe. (laughs) Like, I'm not messing with that canon. So they are a relationship. They are a polycule. It makes me so happy. I I love that show. I don't think I finished watching it. I think I watched most of it. But I got very upset when I heard about the the things that Timothy Hutton was capable of. But yeah, Um, I'm really glad that they made the the decision to go in the direction that they're going. Me too. Um, but all of that said, to bring it back to my original question, I'm curious, what have been your um, media comforts for 2020? The uh, things that you keep returning to, besides Skies of Arcadia, because anyone who's followed you on any social media knows that you replayed that recently or started replaying that recently. And I'm going to play it again, uh, hopefully stream it. I'm figuring it out. Nice. Media comforts. Dragon Age. I did yeah. an All the Wrong Choices playthrough of Dragon Age recently because I was like, oh, let's do some things I've never done before. It was a huge mistake in 2020, let me tell you. <laughs> huge mistake. 
me over here thinking I'll be like emotionally okay after I have elected to do the mages wrong five times in Dragon Age 2 just so I can become Viscount because I never did it before. Ugh. Being mean to Anders. <laughs> it was awful and I hated it. I hated every moment of it. I couldn't even really do a mean playthrough of Inquisition, so instead I chose to do a devout playthrough so I could still be kind of nice <laughs> while, you know, committing genocide. It was bad. I didn't like it. It made me sad constantly. I'm going to go imagine. back and do a, a, an everything goes right playthrough. <laughs> Nothing goes wrong. Ever. I mean, you're, the way you're talking about this is exactly why I haven't played The Last of Us 2. I loved the first Last of Us, but it took an emotional toll on me. And then playing The Last of Us 2 about a mushroom zombie apocalypse, you'll understand better if you've played it, is just, it's so dark, I've heard. And I'm just like, I can't, not in can't 2020, no, maybe in you. 2021. Like, I, I loved The First Last of Us. I thought it was brilliantly done. It had its flaws, but like, yeah, I just... I, I kept looking at, like, the articles, like, a friend of this show and many shows, Ken Shepard, wrote about it. And I couldn't even read the whole article because it had spoilers. But just in the way he's talked about it and passing that game, I'm just like, I can't. Can't do it. Not in the emotional place to do it. And so I've been replaying Mass yeah. Effect instead and diving into the Yakuza trilogy, which, let me tell you, if you want to have fun while also witnessing tragedy and being sad... <laughs> Yakuza is the game series for you because it is equal parts hilarious comedy and insanely intense drama, and it's kind of perfect. Anyway, besides uh, Dragon Age and outside of video games, do you have any books or movies that you've been revisiting this year? I have been rereading all of Tamara Pierce's Tortal series, starting with Alana. Um, I did Alana, The Immortals, Protector of the Small. I'm on Trickster's Choice. I did Trickster's Choice. I'm on Trickster's Queen right now. Then I'm going to move on to the Becca Cooper books. And then I'm actually going to read one of her books I still have not read just because, again, I don't have space in my heart for, like, new stories. <laughs> so that's why I never uh -huh. read this one book of hers. I was just like, oh, do I have to? Do I have to make space? <laughs> so I have to make space. It'll be fine. I've been rereading that. Uh, what, did, what else did I reread this year? I reread the Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue book because I am Monty. We are the same person. <laughs> uh, we have the same dad, which I tweeted once. And Mackenzie Lee said, I am so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. I owe you a hug. <laughs> so that um, as for TV, John and I are rewatching Victorious because it's <sighs> just silly and we just need something silly. I loved that show. I think I, I'm assuming you're the one who got me hooked on the early bits of that show. It's so Probably. weird to rewatch that show knowing like knowing what Ariana Grande grows into. I mean, she's a phenomenal artist and like a really great singer. And she was she when she sang in that show, she was great too. But like it's just it's like night and day. Yeah. Absolutely completely different, which makes me think she's an even better actress than I originally thought because it's so they're just so she's so completely different from her character. I love all of those actors. Like Leon Thomas the third is brilliant. Um, I think he's in a new show soon. I have to check that out. Avan Yoga is on TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> amazing he's all over my for you page of course just talking about like i didn't get to do anything in victorious <laughs> <laughs> i was just there to look pretty i mean he was and also for representation <laughs> right <laughs> i appreciate him as an actor i think he's really funny and i wanted to see the Zombieland sequel that he was in Mm -hmm. But I have not gotten a chance to do that yet. I'm going to hopefully introduce John to Zoe 101 once we finish our Victorious rewatch. Good Lord. Well, he's never seen it. I'm like, I know this is completely out of order. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you need to see it. Um, and also Ruby. Yes, uh, which you and Case Aiken have been yelling at me yes. to watch for ages. Oh I'll my God, you have to. Look, like you said, space and heart for new stuff. Like I, I know. <laughs> but it's bite-sized to start. Yeah. I mean, I said the same thing about Steven Universe at first, and then I devoured the crap out of it. So, yeah. like, it's just, I have to get hooked. I think, like, I think for me as a, and I'm curious how you feel about when you are trying to take in new things. For me, I feel like 
some with video games especially some new stuff i can just jump right in like if it's a game i'm looking forward to or anything spider-man related like the new spider-man game like i can't wait to get a ps5 eventually and get miles morales but like otherwise big series like yakuza the reason i've been talking about it so much online is because it's a really well-made game series Mm -hmm. but also all of them now are available on ps4 to some degree and like i'm excited to go through them in the lead up to like a dragon which is the newest one instead of just playing the newest one Mm. i think it's fun to go through a series and like discover this stuff especially stuff that people have already enjoyed because like uh, uh, Derek Van Dyke, friend of Reignite and future guest, like I, he just yells at me in my private messages about Yakuza now that I'm experiencing it. Like he's just so excited. And like I find that for me, I can only do that with certain things before getting overwhelmed. Um, it happens with TV shows too. Like I can watch one TV show from the start and then other stuff has to be either new things I'm watching with my partner or like just old stuff. Do you find that you're kind of doing a lot of the same thing? Um. So, I find that I need to have something to be complete before I can interact with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why I don't really watch new things as they're coming out. We tried it for a while, and it just got to be so much for me that we stopped watching certain things and just haven't gone back to them because I just I can't for mm-hmm. some reason. I just can't get it into my head to do it. Um, I should, I, like, I should really go back to Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, because the first, like, six, seven episodes were amazing, and I love them, but just the weekly aspect of it gave me so much anxiety, <laughs> and I just, I need to sit and watch it all at once. Right. <laughs> I just need to sit and watch it all at once. The only thing that I can do, like, weekly are things that have no consequence, like Mass Singer. That's it. <laughs> Mass Singer has no consequence, no storyline. I do not have to worry about having my heart broken. Everyone is nice and wholesome, even though Robin Thicke is part of the cast. I pretend that he's not there most of the time. That's fair. Uh, except when he's wearing a tasteful shirt. So I'm like, oh, that's a nice shirt. But that's it. He's mostly just not interesting to me. But like everybody else on the panel and everybody who's like on it, even if they're not the strongest singer, even if they're not like a rock star talent, just Ken Young, uh, Nicole Scherzinger and um, Jenny McCarthy are just so nice and so supportive and wholesome and they just say nice things to other people and that's so good to experience and witness yeah just everybody being nice to each other that's all i want i mean especially in 2020 that feels like a big mood to want to find something that just makes you happy i rewatched community uh that once it was all on netflix this Mm. year and because i don't think i ever saw the final season because i fell off during the gas leak year famously when they you know they the dan Dan Harmon wasn't on a first season then i didn't go back when he'd come back um and so i watched it and it like kind of filled my heart with joy even though i was sad that it ended because it was something complete that i could dive into and also i have a giant crush on joel McHale. (laughs) no one is surprised Although, actually, I think I have a crush on that entire cast because it's also Alison Brie and Donald mm-hmm. Glover and yep. Danny Pudi and and um, uh, Gillian Jacobs. Like, it's just an attractive cast. Let's be real. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, um, as a creator and as someone who's making podcasts and writing, especially with your writing, do you find yourself pull and someone who reads books like Drinking Water, practically, do you... Do you have um, other creators that you're pulling from when you write? Do you have inspirations that you're pulling from in your writing? 100%. And anyone who says that they don't is lying or (laughs) bad at what they do. I once, oh God, there was a local author doing a book signing once and I asked him what his inspirations were. And he was like, I'm completely original. I was like, okay, I don't want this book now. (laughs) Yeah, because if you can't tell me what has inspired you, I have no interest. Like my inspirations are Tamara Pierce, for example, because she writes uh, these well-rounded characters of diversity and different social economic backgrounds and different time periods. She writes food so well, like I can never write food that well. And I aspire to be like her. Um, 
I also draw from like Owen Colfer, who's mm-hmm. a very funny writer. Uh, he wrote the Artemis Fowl series. He also wrote a whole bunch of different middle grade and adult books. Uh, he wrote an Iron Man book a couple of years back. It broke my heart because <laughs> um, I'm a Captain America girl. Also, he didn't want to adopt me. Yeah, although he seemed to like you well enough. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so uh, we I met Owen Coffer ages ago, yeah. I met him twice. I met him with you and oh, then yeah. I met him again. Oh, nice. When I met him again, uh, my father had recently passed away and I got the opportunity to really say to him, like, you're one of the reasons why I read. Um, like Harry Potter was kind of getting me there, but it was really Artemis Fowl that did it. It was Artemis mm-hmm. Fowl and the Fairy Wars books. So it was two Irish authors, Owen Colfer and Herbie Brennan. And I told Owen Colfer and he was like, where I failed with my own children, <laughs> I've succeeded with my surrogate daughter. <laughs> it was like, you know, I am in the market for a new dad. It was like, oh no, I've disappointed enough children. <laughs> That's amazing. It was like, ah, oh, so close. So close to that Irish citizenship. Ugh. I've heard not good things about the Artemis Fowl movie. I assume you I didn't haven't like watched it. it yet. Okay. I mean, based on what Rachel Quirky Shank has told me about it, yeah. maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Well, we were supposed to all watch it and then talk about it because I think Maddie didn't hate it. Maddie Yeah, lied. he liked it. Yeah. And. I have also read the books. So it's really interesting when you talk about a book to film adaptation because you have to think about what works for the medium. And I've seen plenty of adaptations that are amazing and I've seen plenty that are not. So, you know, sometimes you have to just let it go and be like, this is a completely different thing than the property it's based on and then evaluate it separately. But sometimes you just can't even do that sure i mean i try and do that and i've often done it for a lot of book-based movies where i haven't read the book so it didn't matter but like Mm. uh you know when i I knew how some people felt with harry potter and twilight and some other stuff when i saw wolverine origins and went this is not this is garbage what are we doing here and everyone else next to me was like shut up he's naked it's fine i was like i like him too no this is garbage um uh, before we wrap up, um, you we became friends because you're a giant music nerd, and so am I. And we bonded early over music and Doctor Who. Um, and we're not going to talk about Doctor Who right now because it's just I will never stop if I start talking about Doctor Who. And I know you're not caught up on the current season. I certainly am not. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about music for a minute because I feel like you are often very driven by music and you see music in things outside of music and vice versa. What have you been listening to lately and what are some of the things that like have been inspiring you or that you're you're engaging with music wise? So most of the time I listen to Wobble by Patent Pending on constant loop because it's <laughs> one of the few things giving me serotonin right now. Fair enough. And I just like to say <laughs> randomly to my husband or just in the kitchen, I put a pop tart in the microwave because I don't give a huh. <laughs> my mother-in-law heard me say that and was like why did you put what what <laughs> i had to explain to her what was happening um i listened to a lot of patent pending because it's just comforting and good um lately i've been listening to the dash and lily soundtrack because mm-hmm. it was just so good i mean dash and lily's book of dares was adapted from the book of the same name, written by Rachel Cohn and David Levithan, who also wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List, um, Sam and Ilse's Last Hurrah. And music has played such a huge part in both of their lives and both of their writing. So anything that is adapted from their work is going to have a killer soundtrack. It just yep. has to. Uh, and Dash and Lily's Book of Dares does not disappoint. It has an amazing soundtrack of all different kinds of holiday music and regular contemporary music. And it's just really good. I enjoy it a great deal. 
Um, and I have also been reliving my late 2000s emo phase by listening to Tokyo Rose because I still have those songs on my computer, even though Good they Lord. have been wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to them? I don't know. <laughs> I have the one album you gave me, which I can't remember the name of it. And like, it's I don't have anything It's either The Promise and else. Compromise or, yes. um, yeah, it's The Promise and Compromise. Yeah. Or reinventing a lost art or new American saint. Tokyo Rose, if you're out there, please let me know that you're okay. I miss please, you. And please come on the podcast because I'd love to talk to you. I miss you so much. <laughs> I miss you so much. It hurts sometimes. I'm, I'm getting very like wistful thinking about them. I love Tokyo Rose. They were the first local, local, I grew up on Staten Island and they were based out of New Jersey, band that I ever like went into the city to see by myself. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I went to the knitting factory. And like oh, my no. parents would only let me go because I was going with uh, our mutual friend Liz and um an older boy that they knew to trust because he like dated someone from my school. I don't remember why my parents were like, <laughs> oh yeah, Clemens is trustworthy. You're going with Clemens, that's fine. It's like, okay, you haven't met him, but sure. <laughs> they were very strange about who they chose to trust mm -hmm. <laughs> upon, like, just hearing their name. Like, they loved you. Well, because I was straight presenting and white, so it was easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still surprising, though. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm much more out queer now than I was when we dated back in the day. Um, spoiler That's alert, true. we dated at some point. We did. We were very dumb, but it's okay. Twelve we got over years it. ago. God, we're so old. <laughs> I did my waiting. Twelve years of it. <laughs> I mean, I owe a lot of my indie music cred to you. I mean, Pat, the only reason I know Pat and Pending, I'm friends with those guys, and I used one of their songs as my wedding song is because you introduced me to that band at a Bowling for Soup show. There was a point in our lives where we saw Bowling for Soup every year, I think, for many yeah. years. <laughs> I miss doing that. I miss me seeing too. them live, too. And that's also, we met the Dolly Rots there, too. Yep. Yes, um, I had already liked them because they, it was very weird. I first heard them in a Coles commercial. I was like, oh, that's good. How do I find that? And that sent me on like a hunt for the Dolly Rots. And I love them. Uh, actually, my Ren Fair boss went to college with them. That's awesome. Yeah, Kelly Odigan is a previous guest of this show. Uh, many years ago now she was on. I think it was before she had her daughter i don't remember if it's a boy or a girl um, I, I think she has one of each now one, oh, one of each now excellent but uh but no they were great and like we saw them frequently enough that like joe ragosa knew us and then like uh lewis and kelly would recognize us even if they didn't remember our names would like go oh it's you guys you know and that's always fun to have that rapport with bands mm -hmm. which obviously in our year 2020 we can't have it all but yeah. even before 2020 i feel like as i got older that kind of thing faded i mean also i got too old for some of these shows i just i can't do it like i need a seat i need uh, to not be in a crowd do you remember the last time we tried going to warp tour oh we got our asses kicked and we didn't stay very long <laughs> Yeah, I got heat stroke and I got sick and people were like, ha, ah, she's drunk. I was like, no, I'm just old. <laughs> no, yep. I'm just a grown up now. Yeah, I went to Warp Tour, I think, two or three years ago. But when I went, like, I forget how I ended up with a ticket. I either bought one or just a friend had given me one. And like, I went, I looked at the schedule. I went, I saw MC Lars. Then I went to see um, Tat. And then I think I stuck around for one other band and then I went home. I was like, this is fine. <laughs> Three bands is my money's that's, worth. That's good. Oh, man. Weren't those the days, though? I had yeah. tickets one year, but for some reason we couldn't get to the ticket stand to like get in through the main entrance. So we ran across the, the racetrack and I think the lead singer of Reliant K pulled me over the fence. Oh my God. I think that happened. In my memory, it was him, but I have also met him at a different music festival. So maybe my memories are becoming conflated, but I was pulled over a fence by some musician type. I, I believe you. I mean, we have. I mean, I think we could do a podcast just of band stories because I also oh remember, 
um, when when um, when All American Rejects hit their biggest bump, like they had been pop stars for a while, but when um, their now last released album, because I don't think they've put out anything else, came out, you took me to see them, and it turned out the lead singer was actually a total douchebag, and it was he heartbreaking. Shit-faced. Oh, and like, he... like the guitarist was nice to us and the drummer, but like, yeah, yeah he was just. I shelled out for us to go meet them and get their autographs. You did. It was a gift. But I, I feel like, and I don't know, I wonder if this other people have these too, but like, I just feel like I grew up in an age where I had band stories and I had yeah. music stories. Like I hung, I hugged Andrew WK once and it was amazing. And he was very sweaty as you would expect Andrew WK to be. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I just talking to you now, I miss live music. Like I miss hell. it so much. The basis of Bowling for Soup flicked a guitar pick into my cleavage. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that is a thing that happened. <laughs> also, at that very same show, I approached someone to ask them about their music because they had opened. And he was like, I'm going to give you a free CD because why not? And then we became friends. <laughs> nice. I love when that happens. That was Zach Sickerman. That doesn't ring a bell. Almost there. Oh, almost there. I do remember almost there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Almost there. Oh, Zach. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And we were friends with all of them for ages. Yeah, we were um, friends with them for a while. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't use Facebook anymore. I assume I'm still friends with them. But yeah, they stopped playing. I, I, don't, I don't think they broke up. I think they just stopped playing. I know their yeah. drummer, their second drummer, went on to like be like a drummer for hire. And I saw him yeah. doing a bunch of stuff. But yeah. Oh, man. I haven't thought about almost there in a while. I wonder if they're on Spotify. I'll have to look. I don't think that they are. Ugh bummer i know Um, it's sad (laughs) all right well uh listeners if you want us to do a separate seasonal podcast about how much we miss live shows let us know another limited run podcast um i do have to shout out Schaefer the dark lord briefly because he's been doing patreon concerts and then also free concerts on his facebook page and while i used to see him live all the time and we are of course friends uh, his live performances are giving me life a little bit because they feel at least like a show even though they're obviously not um but yeah i miss concerts man <laughs> a lot. me too <laughs> sobbing forever what was the last concert we saw i think it was flogging molly john's she's not cons- listening to me she's consulting I- with the husband <laughs> yeah i think it was flogging molly i think we saw that at a theater sitting down <laughs> like old people <laughs> yes like old people with our beers <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know what the last concert I saw was. It was probably a local show. I feel like it was Super Smack and Lex the Lexicon Artist is probably the last local show I saw. I don't know. The internet will correct me. They usually do. And by the internet, <laughs> I mean Rob Sterobin, who is the internet as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, well, thank you, Frankie, for coming on the show. This is fun. It doesn't feel like much of a podcast we did today because it just feels <laughs> like us doing our bullshit, but... I hope the listeners enjoy it. That's at the end of the day, that's all I care about. Um, before I have you sign us off, why don't you tell folks where they can find you on the internet and where they can find the things that you do? Yeah, if you want to just hear more about me and maybe learn about what I write, uh, you can follow me at iHoardLibraries on Twitter. If you would like to follow my tabletop RPG life, you can follow Archives of the Dragon on Twitch. We stream Changeling the Dreaming every Friday. Um, that's actually going to wrap on season one soon. So get in while you can. Reignite, The Circle of Friendship, and The Rob Thomas No Not That One Robcast are all on the Certain Point of View Network. Go to certainpov.com to find more nerdy podcasts with a unique point of view. And I think that's all the things. Okay. And uh, keep an eye out at certainpov.com, of course, for Certain Point of View. Probably by December 1st. Probably by December 1st. You heard it here, folks. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you also for listening, listener. Um, you c- can find this show wherever you found it and rate, <laughs> review, subscribe, all of those things. I don't know. I don't usually do an outro, so I don't know what I'm doing here. Wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> wherever podcasts are sold that aren't sold. Um, and now I might have to cut all this out. Anyway, uh, Frankie, thank you for coming on. You're one of my best friends and you put up with my nonsense. Uh, The last thing I'll ask you to do is you have a saying on this show that is born out of my now uh, retired podcast that you were also a previous guest on, Crash Chords. I've known you for 12 years. I'm the reason you had a podcast to begin with. I know what your outro is. Yes, you do. So without further ado, can you please sign us off so we can go home? Wait, we're already home. Do it anyway. Music is life and life is good. (laughs) 
That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great way to help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at crashchordsweb. Thank you so much for listening. Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Moss. Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our circle of friendship. Where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives! Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... 